Forgotten Flicks, episode 95, five away from 100, Dead Heat, 1988. You're under arrest. You have the right to remain disgusting. You sure that's necessary? You can't be too careful. Smartest! This is the craziest, stupidest, most dumb fuck stunt I ever saw. No, please, don't thank me, Lieutenant. I get my thanks from helping others. You better believe the captain's going to hear about this. Gee, you think I want a word with us? This is Sid Haig, and you're listening to Forgotten Flicks. Hello and welcome to the one, the only, no, actually it's, it's not the only, there's like hundreds of thousands of podcasts, but it is the one and only Forgotten Flicks podcast where we talk about the movies you may or may not have grown up with, especially uh, with tonight's movie. That may actually be very, very accurate. Uh, would I be correct in that assessment? Uh, Jason, who I'm joined by, I'm Joel, by the way, and Jason. Yeah, I would say we are the masters of the dumb fuck stunt. So, <laughs> and earn the explicit tag. Congratulations! Uh, it was in your little audio. Clip. I know it seems All stupid right. to beep it though. <laughs> it is. There's an explicit tag in iTunes, so hopefully none of you were blaring this at work, or maybe maybe you were. It's kind of be awesome. <laughs> you hated that job anyway. Don't blame yeah, us. Yeah, really. <laughs> So, of course, I am Joel, this is Jason, and we are your hosts for Forgotten Flicks. If you're new here, I'll keep it simple, but we kind of are. This is a podcast <laughs> dedicated to talking about movies, primarily from the 1980s, retro movies, retrofitted movies, retroactive movies, whatever. <laughs> and Retro-virus we are, movies. We, pretty much. Sometimes. Well, they do give us a virus. Usually it's C&D. <laughs> Cinematic Nostalgia Disorder. Coined and trademarked by Forgotten Flicks, Inc. And (laughs) here's the deal. Normally in the past, we may or may not have strayed off the forgotten part of the path. Would you say, Jay? Just just occasionally? Um, I I think it depends on your definition. We've definitely, in the past, been called out by some of the listeners on, that movie's not forgotten. Well, of course, idiot. We're not saying that every movie we talk about is completely forgotten by everybody. But when you said, say when, that and that times, idiot, by the way, that idiot was meant for me, just for clear. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Um, but yeah, I would say sometimes we do cover movies that while we feel they may have been forgotten by pop culture, uh, they generally were pretty big movies when they came out. Yeah, I really, I really can't make that. I, I really can't make that argument for Die Hard or Star Wars, dude. I really okay. Do. Not every movie okay. is completely forgotten, but I would say some of them we had to do because we just had to do it. Because you know, I concur, and and I would say, however, tonight's feature presentation is truly by most not the cool kids, not you cool kid listeners. Philip, we know who you are. <laughs> no. You remember, but everybody else, the man keeping a movie like Dead Heat down. Yeah. <laughs> so we are talking Dead Heat from 1988, a movie starring not just whoa, Mr. Whoa, whoa. Wait, wait, 88. 
Yeah. You mean 2002? No, I mean 88. No. Dead Heat. Kiefer Sutherland. I hope like hell you watched the right movie. Paglia. You're joking, right? Directed by Mark Malone? Are you That's not the one you watched? Are you joking? Yeah, I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> it's like, for start, for starters, that's 10 years outside of what we agreed on, you ass. <laughs> for a second, you ready for this? I'm such a trusting ass. I almost fell for that. Uh, I wasn't actually going to try and fool you, but I did want to kind of bring that up. Yeah, there is another movie named Dead Heat. Yeah, that movie doesn't matter. This movie matters. Uh, from 2002, but that's not what we're talking about. We're digging back to the 80s. Yes, buddy. As Treat, we tend to do. Treat Williams. <laughs> Joe Piscopo. Yeah. And many, many others that you may or may not have heard of. We'll get to them. Yep. But first, Jay. But first... Would you like a little trailer action? Uh, I'm looking forward to this. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it is. And so it will ever and forever shall be. <laughs> Amen. Detective Roger Mortis <laughs> has a problem. He's dead. But Detective Bigelow is bringing him back alive. We have something on the monitor, Captain. That's okay. Don't get up. Told you not to get up. Now, he's got 12 hours to solve the toughest murder case of his career. His own. What is this thing? Very ugly. Get down! That's it. From now on, I'm a vegetarian. How do you fight this thing? Maybe we could drown it in A1 sauce. Treat Williams. Sit down. And Joe Piscopo are dead heat. You shoot them, they don't die. can't keep a good cop dead. The following segment of Forgotten Flicks will contain information so pertinent to the film that, if you have not yet seen it, may ruin your viewing experience. So if you plan to see this film, please consider resuming the episode only after you've viewed the film, which you can find at... Netflix. Streaming! We now return you to Forgotten Flicks, already in progress. Thank you, JV, for that wonderful spoiler (laughs) alert. Yeah, folks, we spoil the hell out of this. And in that vein, Jay, in your most succinct way you possibly can, (laughs) please summarize Dead Heat. I almost said Red Heat. Dead Heat. heat. Yeah, not to be confused with Red Heat. No, mm-hmm. uh, not at all. Yeah, this is basically this is the story of two cops, Roger Mortis, Rog, I, Rick, I get it, Rigger Mortis. I get Roger, it. I get uh, it. Uh, yeah, uh, played by Treat Williams um, and uh, Doug Bigelow, 
played by Joe Piscopo. And they're basically two cops that, you know, it's, they're just your typical eighties buddy cop, funny ones, straight laced with a tie. The other one wears a leather jacket and jeans. And it's, it's, it's so called fun. the odd couple, my friend. It is. It is uh, so, an archetype of 1980s buddy cop <laughs> movies. One could make the argument though. It had been around prior to lethal weapon in 1987 that definitely helped to popularize it and i'm not implying that this movie was ripping that movie off in any way shape or form i'm just saying (laughs) similarities all right so basically there is some type of criminal scourge going on in the town and they are trying to figure it out and in their quest to kind of figure out what's happening uh they happen upon this lab in which uh, spoiler poor detective roger mortis uh dies uh but that doesn't stop him he continues to be a cop for the rest of the movie because he's dead uh, uh yeah, well wait a minute you kind of left out a key element there but we don't want to spoil the crap out of everything now do we jay I get, i'm just giving it the synopsis there's so. a reason why he's still around it's not like he's dead oh wait and then he's suddenly in the next scene i mean you know there's a reason no, yeah, it was, it was pretty much like that. There's a cause uh, and effect. Yes. So he died and is reanimated, and uh, that turns out to be the scourge, is that people are being brought back to life. They're not zombies, uh, but they are reanimated people that are just dead. Mm, I'd say uh, they're zombies. Yeah, but they don't act like your typical zombie. Some I mean, of them they're do. Like, they're, Some they of them act do. kind of like they normally act, at least that's what we're led to believe, except they're just dead. So. Well, I think that that's true for some of them, but then... It depends, apparently, how long they were dead, dead. But we can get into the inconsistencies in yeah, uh, scientific trying- data that this movie puts forth. We'll get into that. Yeah, I was just trying to get a succinct synopsis. <laughs> we both know that's not going to happen. Either you're not going to be capable or I'm not going to let you. Yeah, so anyway, uh, the two of them are trying to solve the crime uh, while dealing with uh, Mortis's situation the fact that he's dead but alive uh so there's lots of shooting people that don't die from it and lots of uh, dead jokes um along the way they run into a whole bunch of other people but i'm sure we'll get into that uh but uh, that's pretty much the, the long and short of it to the two cops trying to figure out what's going on weird in the city one of them dies and is uh, uh brought back to life and so that's that's how they carry on for well, the majority and, and and of course did you, I, I didn't catch, did you throw in the uh, ticking time bomb conceit of the movie that the the time frame piece? No. Yeah. The so, fact, the fact that he has 12 hours to find out who in fact killed him. Yeah. Because otherwise he turns into this heaping pile of ooze. Yeah. We'll get to that. Cause that's an important thing I want to talk about. Yes. Um, but yes. So, cause I'm going to give away more stuff. Now. That's, my, that's my synopsis. End of synopsis. Beginning of discussion <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah did you use quote fingers for that one yes before we say um, anything i what, the way you felt about this movie one way or the other i do want to say if nothing else if nothing else we learned a very valuable thing both from the movie and the trailer do you know what that is jay uh that jokes about dead people are always funny nope this is no. what we learned you can't keep a good cop dead 
my favorite part about that soundbite is the at the end. You can't keep a good cop dead. It's true. <laughs> it's friggin' true. Yeah, because you've tried, haven't you? I'm, whoa, you, whoa, shh. What? Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay, so here we go. Let's let's start from the top. Number one. Well, okay. You, you have or have not ever seen this movie? Uh, I have never ever seen this movie. Okay. Ever not now. This is a rarity. Uh, only a handful of times on the movies we've covered on the show in the last, uh, what, two and a half years, uh, has there been a movie we've covered that I've seen nothing of it. And I honestly can say I've never seen any piece of this movie up until not just a trailer, not a nope. still, nothing. Nope. nope. Hmm. Now, I'd heard the name Dead Heat, but I never knew what it was about. And mainly Probably only because, because of me. You talked about it, right, and we put it on our list, and it's an 80s movie, and it has people I know. Like, I know Treat Williams. Uh, I, I definitely know Joe Piscopo, and we've talked about the other movie um, that he's in that I want to at some point get to that is a, probably a CND for me, but Johnny Dangerously with Which Michael Which I have Keaton. never seen, so that, that works out nicely. Right, so that's still on our list to do, uh, but Joe Piscopo is in that. So I know the people in it, Yeah, at least the two main stars. I just have never actually seen the film or any part of it. So okay. that's that gets out of the way. Well, well, I have. I have. I actually yeah. saw it shortly after it was released on video, which was <laughs> conveniently shortly after its theatrical run because it bombed. <laughs> so I've seen it. I probably saw it in, I'm guessing, 88, maybe early 89. And by the way, it's uh, its budget was five million. Yeah. It grows three point five. Yeah. So, there so there's that. <laughs> and I remember as a kid loving this movie. Loving, loving, loving it. Okay. Okay. And I can remember pretty sure Fangoria did a pretty lengthy spread. Uh, Steve Do Johnson did the special effects in it. And I remember that being a, it being a big deal because it was at the time, I don't want to say it was, a, it was main, it was more, it's more mainstream. Cause when you consider it was directed by Mark Goldblatt, who is a very, very prolific editor, uh, Terminator, Terminator two, uh, mm -hmm. just a, crap ton of movies that we could we'll go through maybe a list later if we have time and it was written by terry black do you know who speaking speaking of a lethal weapon connection do you know who terry black is uh i know that uh, he's done some tales from the crypt yes things but i don't know the lethal weapon connection he is the brother of shane black who wrote lethal weapon and monster squad who appeared in predator and who directed iron man three most recently really yep and my guess huh. is shane may have had some level of input with this movie mm -hmm. also has a cameo as a patrolman i'm guessing towards the end the ambulance blows up and all that mm. i'm thinking i don't know if he's the cop with the gun or if he's one of the guys in the background but he's supposedly listed he's as a patrolman in dead heat mm-hmm Huh. Or maybe he's right. one. Maybe he's in an earlier scene. I don't know. But they say yeah, he was a patrolman. He could have been one of the cops in the shootout too at the beginning. Uh, yeah. So yes, I saw this as a kid, and I'm not going to lie. Went into this going, oh my god, this is going to be C it C and D music factory. <laughs> get it? Get it? Get it? Dance till you can't dance till you can't dance no more. Get on the floor and get raw. Yeah. So I pretty much thought it was going to be an exercise in C and D. Mm-hmm. So the question is, was I correct? Was I correct? Did I go into this movie with that expectation? It was it verified for so, me. So here's the question. Do you yeah. want to hear 
Do you want to talk about what you whether or not you were correct, or do you want to hear my blank assessment first? I want to hear your blank assessment. Oh, is that blank? Is that is that a, like a cute code way of not dropping the f bomb? <laughs> I want to hear my blanking blank. Now that's my smurfing assessment. Yeah, I want to hear your smurfing assessment. A smurf before, yourself. Yeah, oh, yeah, before before we smurf any any further on this thing, <laughs> so we're going to smurf all over this thing. We're just going to smurf on it. It's. I'm just. I'm going to smurf hard and yeah. And so, smurf long. And smurf long. So I want to talk about a couple of people that are in it first, because uh, we at least um, brought that up. Because I did not look at the uh, list of characters or list of actors in it, other than I knew Treat Williams and Joe Piscopo. Um, and so I love doing that. I love going into some of these movies and not looking up who's in it, because I love being surprised. Yeah. I love seeing like, oh my God, I know him, you know? So a couple of people that jumped out big time for me, um, number one, I don't know if you mentioned it, but Darren McGavin is in it. Yep. Um, who was in Christmas Story. He was the dad. He's Kolchak the Night Stalker. <laughs> yes. Um, I remember him most from being the dad in uh, Christmas That's Story. That's everybody but, remembers him from. Um, uh, for Gile. He was in it as the, uh, the medical examiner. Um, like the boss of one of the ladies that, the, that yeah, Rebecca, Rebecca. Yeah. Was it Rebecca? Her name, Rebecca. Yeah. yeah, I believe so. So she was the doctor in it, uh, who played like the medical, the, one of the medical examiners and Darren McGavin played the chief medical examiner guy. Um, uh, another or, one that's, Hey, that's body doc to you body doc, which we'll get to that. Um, Vincent freaking price. Yeah, that was pretty awesome was in this so he he was pretty awesome he played a character uh an old guy that died and arthur p louder milk louder milk that's such a great that's such a that is a you look <laughs> at it's a price you say yeah i can see louder milk i can see that yep, in his name <laughs> arthur p louder milk that is going to be the name of the character from cnd theater that reads and falls yes, asleep. Yes. And, yeah. Uh, uh, Sandy Theater, Arthur P. Loud Milk. The third Esquire. Junior. And then, of course, Key Luke. Yes, I know. I saw him. I was like, holy crap, where's Giz? Uh, so uh, he, was, he was in Gremlins. He was the guy that uh, owned the little shop in Chinatown where they bought... Yep. Uh, uh, Gizmo. Rand Peltzer buys the Giz. Yep. Exactly. And he had those really funky looking um, contacts in to give him like one. I know. How disappointing was that in this movie? He doesn't have eyes like that. Like big normal eyes. I'm like, oh. God, that sucks. Then, of course, he's in Kung Fu. uh, That's right. At the very beginning, he's like the master. Um, So he was in it. That surprised me. And then, (laughs) as you already played the audio clip for Lieutenant. Of course, very stereotypical buddy cop lieutenant. The captain's going to hear about this. Robert Picardo. <laughs> Whose last name is Herzog, which makes me wonder if that's supposed to be a reference to the director, Werner Herzog, who has a reputation for being very hot-headed and a little wacky. And am I mistaken? Was that the only scene Picardo was in? Well, he was in the scene on the street. Yeah, that's what I mean. That whole sequence. Uh, and then he was on the, in the scene in the... Um, Oh, was he in the office? I don't remember him. Maybe he was briefly. I just don't recall. 
And there was some, I think he had like maybe one other scene. It they wasn't, really didn't continue him in the through line of the story. It was sort no. of a, you got the impression he was antagonistic to them and that was about the extent of it. Now, uh, as a matter of fact, the, well, now I'll get to that, but, uh, the, the whole idea of the, them being kind of, um, cops on the outs or, yes. you know, I play it my, my own rules really kind of just died in the first 15 minutes. But well, yeah, it was almost just so they could have the ubiquitous captain. Sure. You, know, you yeah. start with the shot of his fist hitting the desk, camera pulls back. <laughs> yes. How so, many times anyway, have I told and, 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 and it's always an African-American captain too. Have you noticed that? <laughs> no, serious, we always talk about stereotypes in movies. Yeah. Is that a bad stereotype though? I mean, it's an authoritative leadership position. Think about it. I think anytime that a single type of person is cast in a single type of role, it's a bad thing. But I don't think that necessarily is a but what is the well, but what stereotype. is the reasoning behind it? Oh hell, if I know, because it's obviously it, it's there. I mean, it you can't. I'm serious. Think well. Okay, the the captain in Lethal Weapons, a white guy, fat white guy. Never say, mind. I stand corrected. I completely stand corrected on that. Uh, and, and then and the guy from uh, the guy in SVU, he's not. Yeah, but that's a that's a TV oh, show. I'm talking about movies. It, it definitely seems though that that is a. In, in maybe we should say in lower budget. Ah, there it is. We found the secret. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> I, moving I was on, so, I was trying to find something interesting to talk about there. I got nothing. Oh, uh, that just kills it. So Robert Picardo, of course, uh, you all know him uh, very famously from uh, Mega Shark versus Crocosaurus. That's really the only thing he's been Alvin. in that's worth talking about. Um, yes, and he plays this admiral of the submarine. And let me tell you, some of the scenes where the submarine shakes almost real. look real. <laughs> he is amazing he tilts to one side like nobody like he is a tilter like nobody i've seen since shatner that's what i'm just gonna do that's that's high praise that's that's pretty big so that is (laughs) high praise (laughs) so anyway robert picardo's in it um and uh he plays lieutenant and uh that that's the those are the only ones that i remember i'm sure is, is there anybody else that stood out let's see i had you had oh Lindsay frost you said shane black uh, yes, yeah, well, that's a bit part. Lindsay Frost, who played Randy James, that is such a porn star name. <laughs> Randy with an I. She is the, would you call her the, she had the potential to be one of the love interests? Yeah, she She was sort of the stereotypical uh, woman caught in the middle. Yes, she was the there cop. in, she was there in into Dante Laboratories, which is the name of the company they're investigating that's I, connected to this spate of uh, this, this robbery that happens where, uh, and I don't know how you didn't go into it in, in that much detail at the beginning, but in the movie, there's this opening sequence that uh, Bigelow and Mortis, Roger Mortis, that just gets me every time. <laughs> they are called to this shootout essentially. And these, yep. these two smash and grab, jewel thieves are uh, unleashing I, I don't know just oozy driven hell on the police killing police left and right they're being shot up themselves but it's not affecting them oh up until they throw a grenade at one of them and mortis t-bones one of them with his buick actually so. i think one of them drops the oh, grenade. That's, right. that's right you're right he did he was gonna throw it, it yeah him, yeah so his own stupidity caused mortis him. uh Gets the lieutenant's car and why would that have on? killed the zombie? I, I get the grenade. One. I get the grenade, but why would that have I, killed it? Uh, you know, yeah, before, before know. wait, wait, before we do what we were about to do, which is <gasps> the go on the let's pick this movie apart fest. Okay, so yeah, let me let me start with what I thought. Um, 
I actually liked the movie. I didn't hate it. There's of course you did. There's nothing. I mean, there's a lot. Were you about to say there was nothing ridiculous? (laughs) No, 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 no. There's lots of ridiculousness. (laughs) Okay. There's nothing. I I was going to say there's nothing ridiculous that makes me hate the movie. There's nothing that's uh, bad. It's definitely cornball. It's definitely there's there's moments you think W like what the hell is that? What are they? What does that even mean? And then they'll take this turn, and you're like, "Whoa, what, what, what?" <laughs> but I kind of like that ride every so often. That mm-hmm. this is not a gnoming gnorm, okay? This no, is no, this is not. This isn't. It you definitely from the first ten minutes, you understand what this movie is meant to be. Mm-hmm. You know, you understand it's meant to be this kind of crazy, kind of weird, not not taken too seriously because it's so cliche and it's so um, meant to be tongue in cheek mm-hmm. that it's okay. Um, so I could accept a lot of the crazy stuff that happened. So, you know, not one of my favorites of this type, you know, favorite crazy eighties. Um, I mean, I like things like, um, Oh, it was the one I can't remember the name of it. It's the one where the guy says, I got good news and bad news. Night girls. of the Creeps. Night which, of the creeps. Speaking of actors, I couldn't, tell you which one he is but he's listed as the last zombie and actually that's why i say they're zombies even the credits are referred to as zombies yeah, it's just, yeah the last zombie his name ivan e roth get this played a zombie in both night of the creeps and night of the comet this guy was no on a run kidding. this guy was a run every two years 1984 night of the creeps i mean excuse me night of the comet plays a zombie 1986 two years later night of the creeps plays a zombie and in 1988 so pretty much, it would be awesome to find out if like an 82, what came out in 82 that would have been zombie related? I have to think. <laughs> that would have been great. But yeah, he apparently, Ivan E. Roth, there's no picture in IMDb, nothing, just, uh, and supposedly, according to the credits, both Linnea Quigley, okay, the screen mm-hmm. queen who was in Return of the Living Dead, uh, as was, uh, her, her clothes weren't, but she was, um, <laughs> and Dick Miller had a cameo. I believe they both were in deleted scenes. I tried to find deleted scenes, but I didn't see those on the tube of the use. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so they were supposedly they're listed in the credits. I, I will go on the word of the powers that be. Wow. So yes, but so anyway, I mean, it, it's definitely uh, uh, not my favorite of that type. I mean, there are definitely movies I like better uh, of that kind of. Oh, name one. <laughs> but I, I didn't hate it. I thought it was it was decent. Now, I can see both possible scenarios for you. Mm. I can see watching this movie as a kid. I can almost imagine watching this as a twelve year old, mm. and or. Now, what have I been? Six to 20, wait, 14-year-old. Um, <laughs> so, um, 15, 16, step. God, no. If you if this came out on video, I would have been in high school, late high school. Um, You're old. I was uh, like anyway, 12. I can see, I could see uh, liking, loving this as a kid mm-hmm. and then watching it older and thinking, wow, mm. uh, no, but I can also see it has a lot of endearing elements that you would like. So I can see you would go either way. Okay, let me see here. Where do I start? All right. <laughs> I did. I will say straight up up front. I did not like it. No, I, I loved it. Ah. I was so happy 
<laughs> Were you really? Oh my, dude, <laughs> it was like I was 12 again. And, and the whole time, here's the problem. The whole time, the obnoxious dipshit, almost 40-year-old film critic in my head is going, oh my God, really? Like that would, and, I'm, and the 12 years like, F you old man, screw you. Screw you, man. So the whole time. So I had this battle going on in the back of my head. I just let them duke it out. I'm pretty sure something that violated laws in all 50 of the United States uh, occurred between those two. I don't want to get into that. But regardless, I will tell you now, this movie is fun as hell. I, the effects... So, the, what? It's so stupid. It is fun. It is. It is just, it, it's, and, it is. and did you catch... I meant to send you a link, and I just... Uh, I had everything else let it ready to go, except for the one thing I meant to really do, which is send you a link. There was like a five-minute behind-the-scenes video. Oh, no. On YouTube that was made around the time. And it's one of those really bad 80s ones where it's oh. kind of like an infomercial. And then they're sitting in their director's chairs yes, talking. And they, yeah, and then they cut back and forth. <laughs> in 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 New World Pictures, Dead Heat, Treat Williams plays Detective... And they say it without a hint of irony. Detective, Detective Roger Mortis, a cop who's dead. <laughs> and trying to find his killer... Before time runs out. <laughs> and it just goes off and then they cut back and forth. But the, yeah. every time they interviewed Piscopo or Williams, they just had these big goofy grins on their faces and they get it. And I think that was what really struck me about the movie. Is it perfect? No. Is it great? No. It It is fun and the, you feel like the people making it were having fun as they were doing it. It has that, let's just go out and make a goofball, genre-blended movie and just be over the top with it. Now, sometimes genre blend actually does equate into just a really well-made movie. I go to Bubba Hotep as an example. It's a really great movie, a great film. This is not. This is a popcorn cheeseball film, but it doesn't try to be anything other than that. And I will tell you now, I don't give a damn. I'm... I'm going to go on a limb and say, not every one of them, and it's not perfect, but some of the practical effects in this, to me, are on par with the other, uh, the handful of other movies we've discussed that have held up over time. The Blob, which was also 88, the remake, RoboCop from 87 the year before, and Carpenter's yep. The Thing. I think that some of the, the practical effect sequences in this, especially when you consider it's only a $5 million movie, which even in 88 was very low budget. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I made a comment earlier about it being a little bit, maybe being a bit more mainstream. But now that I think about it, no, five million even then was extremely low budget. So, no, the the effects were really, really good. And yeah, most of my critique of the ridiculousness of this movie is really in the writing. Uh, it's either in the lines or the story. Yeah, or, but they know. were they were supposed to like, be that. They were just supposed to be those cheesy. And you know, you almost get the impression that Piscopo was just making that crap up as he went along. <laughs> yes, but I love. But but that was great. I mean, that made it kind of fun. But the effects were really good. I mean, um, one of the big things that I I say I have a problem with, but because I don't have a problem with anything in the movie, but it was just seemed way out of left field. And I'm like, what the hell was the whole concept of of uh, uh, Randy, Randy James, your porn star? <laughs> so the idea is that the cops, Mortis and Bigelow, they're fighting these guys at the at the uh, bank. They're shooting the hell out of them. They're not dying. It takes, like you said, a, a grenade in a car to kill them. So they're trying to figure out what's happening, and their their um, uh, not mortician friend, or the, the medical examiner, yes. says, "I've examined them before. 
they were killed before I have pictures I took and they're back to life, you know, after that. Mm -hmm. So they did test and find out, okay, there's some chemical inside these guys that only one place has been buying. We're going to go there and find it. They go there. It's this big lab and that's where they meet Randy and she is their PR Yes, person like their yep, uh, their PR person, and so she comes out to talk to them. They wander around, and of course, Piscopo does the classic. I got to go to the bathroom. It was like Mikey from Goonies, and so he starts poking <laughs> around and uh, opens doors and unleashes a zombie. Right, and so they she they fight the zombie. She kind of comes with them because all hell breaks loose, and she becomes kind of the third partner, and it comes really weird roundabout way. She wasn't actually working for the company. Yes, she kind of did know what was going on. Oh, even more, she is Arthur P. Loudermilk's... Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Sorry. We did that already. Twice. Okay, yeah. (laughs) I guess they're still living. living. (laughs) That's a a Freudian snip, isn't it? (laughs) If they're still listening at this point, they either have seen the movie or really don't care, which means they probably aren't listening anyway. So continue. And if they're still living at this point, you're one of like three people who can watch, listen to the show and, and <laughs> all the way through and live. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, so she turns out to be Loudermilk's daughter and she had his eyes. Out, then it turns out, oh, just kidding. She's not his daughter. She was just a druggie in the hospital where he was dying. Oh, just kidding. She actually died in the hospital where he was. Yeah. They made her a deal. They'd bring her back to life. And uh, she had to as help long as them. she helped them, yes, right. Uh, which I guess they made that deal after. Uh, <laughs> by then, it's like too yeah. late. But. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. They made the deal afterward. Well, she was already back. So what's she gonna say? Uh, right. no. I guess I don't have much of a choice. <laughs> so the only time in in this in the whole movie that they make uh, a a point of talking about the fact that there's that ticking time bomb that have. It, 10 hours and the cells will decompose and it basically turn into a puddle is with detective mortis and Randy's the one or no, it's Randy, uh, Rebecca, the, the um, uh, medical examiner says, no, your cells are going to decompose. And so over the course of the movie, he is slowly kind of, you know, getting darker. Which and slowly- real quick, I want to interject in that just me or was him putting on makeup. Did that make him less conspicuous? With the, yeah, you put lipstick on because his, yeah, his he's starting lips to go pale. Kind of yeah, pale. And, yeah, pale. So he puts like rouge and lipstick on. <laughs> he looked he looked really weird. Um, so it, over the course of the movie, that's part of the suspense is that he is decaying, right? But yes. They don't really. I mean, I, they don't really explain. Like at the end of that ten hours, is it you know is he slowly getting to that point? Until all of a sudden, out of freaking nowhere. Randy, they're in the house. All of a sudden, she's like, uh... Well, to be fair, wait, wait, wait. She's in the bathroom in a towel. Yeah, she just got a shower. She looks perfect. Yeah. And all of a sudden, her she said, because she said the deal they made is they did something different to her when they brought mm-hmm. her back to life, and she I lasted her normal lifetime. Assuming, yeah. it was, assuming it was after they brought her back. Oh, wait, this got <laughs> dark. This got real dark. Go ahead, continue. So... <laughs> <laughs> true story rabbit oh, hole here oh god true no true is it story. a dead rabbit i don't know okay no uh i was in college and i knew this guy really kind of dark uh, always dressed in a long black trench coat kind of sunken oh, eyes you know really the, you know the type 
really smart, but uh, very kind of, you know, I wouldn't say goth, but just kind of dark brooding guy. Oh, e- really was, smart, was he funny. emo? Was he emo? Please tell me he was emo. No, no, not necessarily, because oh. he wasn't really like that. He was just really has a twisted sense of humor. Did and he, he also played the guitar. Did he love The Cure? Uh, no, he wasn't like trendy dark. He was uh. just like naturally... Oh. Like that's just kind of his personality. Got it. Uh, he went on to be some kind of genius or something. I don't know what the hell. Yeah, ever, or, or, or committed a mass murder. I'm not sure which. <laughs> but he used to write these funny joke songs, almost like Adam Sandler does now. But this was way before that. Mm-hmm. And uh, every time we got together for a party, people would ask him to play his songs. And the one that we always had him play, and he hated it, but he wrote a song called Jabba Cadaver. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm assuming it was to the Abracadabra theme. No, he wrote his own theme to it and oh. everything. It was so it wasn't like Jabba, Jabba, Cadabra. No, he no. actually wrote a song about his love affair with a corpse. <laughs> and the best part was all songs were autobiographical. So, <laughs> so anyway. Back on track. Back on track. Um, so Randy's like just all of, all of a sudden out of nowhere. She starts to. He lied to me. She, she mean, just, you know what else. it is? Wait, wait, wait. She discovers the secret of the ooze. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't fit in a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reference, damn it. <laughs> go Ninja, so, go Ninja, rock. <laughs> so at first I'm watching. <laughs> we got we to do those movies. Oh my god, only the first one. No, we gotta do the second one, not the one with Vanilla Ice. Oh Dude. my god, Is I that, forgot all about that. You did? Oh no, you, you, you go ninja, go ninja, rock. Just so I can <laughs> play that over and oh over god. again. Sorry. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, yeah, we'll have to do that one. So, um, so no. Randy, uh, Randy James looking very clean and pretty like, you know, like you'd expect a just- porn star to, yes. She just turns into goo and like she dies, like dies, dies. Yeah, but it's, and, it's, it's, dude, that, like, think about this. Pre, this is pre using computers to do this. Oh, Her yeah. hand deteriorating, right? That yeah, was a matter of seconds. But, but, you know, but it was shot. Yeah. I'm not talking about the logic of or the chronology of how the decaying process would take place. No, in I'm her. saying it was it was like it was she's effective, like, dude. That was a fact. Her, her, her face, the way it melted, it looked really good. All of the all of the visual effects in this. Only part about it that I didn't really love is when her head after it fell off, and it's it looked great as all nasty and melted in the skull, and 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 all of a sudden her jaw moves, and she starts. I'm talking. sorry, Roger. Yes, and it, it she it's literally like all of her flesh is gone. Her head is off her head, and it's yeah, just no vocal cords would be connected. Jawbone. It's yeah. I thought the same thing. But it wasn't just that it was dopey that it said it. It was that they did this. Uh, very mid to late 80s visual effect because it's not computer driven where kind they did this animated m- yeah, almost yeah over top of it i guess to, and yeah. it just, it, that didn't work so i wish they hadn't done that if they had left that part out it'd been this wonderfully gross but really effective sequence yeah so i'll give you it was a really cool looking melt but what the hell man well, because they needed to give us a visual of what Roger was facing. Now, I would make the argument, probably should have done that maybe in eh, the first act as a way to motivate him. Yeah, like one of the other non-primary characters just melting like a bad guy because they never seem to die. And while we're well, on obviously, well, of- obviously, they had some kind of, pres- for lack of a better way, putting it, a preservative that they would give them. So they gave it to Not a very good one. Well, I think what it was, if they weren't getting it regularly, it's, it's the idea of, say, the woman has the curse put on her and she's lived for hundreds of years and as soon as it's lifted she just turns to 
within moments turns to the old, you know, mummy looking thing and then dust and then blows away. I think it's that kind of effect that as soon as it wears off, boom, they just melt away. I obviously I'm having to fill in a lot of blanks here because it wasn't explained in the movie. I would argue it would have been better to have that moment happen with her around the time that it really hit him in the library that he was done and there was no time left and and then having maybe that happen in the library or something in front of everybody. So yeah. it could have been one of those, yeah, but I don't want to end up like that. So other than Joe Piscopo just giving him the rah-rah, let's let's prove him wrong. They used to tell us that uh, a dead cop's not a good cop. Roger, you got a chance to prove him wrong. Yeah. No, because he used to say that. I thought, it was, I, I thought it was the people at the police <laughs> academy or something. So anyway, yeah, the the motivation pieces felt weird just from that whole piece. But so let's talk about bad guys for a second. I only have one big bone to pick. Whoa, put it back in your pants. (laughs) Especially if you're going to pick it. There's only one. If you can shoot the hell out of these guys and nothing happens. Yep. If you can literally machine gun right through the chest machine gun right you know they're just shooting these uzis which by the way uzis were always like the bad guy gun of choice for the 80s yeah, that was weren't like, they? yeah. it's a beautiful uh, thing it was so you can shoot the hell out of these guys blow holes in them the size of your fist and that doesn't do anything but if you stab them with an umbrella pole they die no 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 stab them on an umbrella pole push them into a swimming pool oh, i'm sorry that then after a few moments they apparently die yes or cause... if you if you t-bone them in the midsection crushing their legs and pelvic region no doubt they apparently die now that one i'm not yeah. getting at all like you can no. maybe say the heart but oh wait except that we established that roger's heart wasn't pumping Stop. after yeah yeah now and speaking of if you really want to get nitpicky because it's, <laughs> it's fun to do roger Soon after going through, spoiler alert, the resurrection machine, which uh-huh. wouldn't you think the second you found that and proved that he could be brought back, that it, that would be the moment you would have called in everybody in the lobby <laughs> <laughs> to say, no. uh, yeah, this might be evidence. Just going to throw it out there, but, but we're going to let that go. So Roger's no. sitting there and he haphazardly as, as you know, crazy just recently brought back from the dead detectives or want to do he moves his hand and smacks over a bunch of not so conveniently placed beakers and test tubes yeah that was that was definitely one of those wait he Oops. just kind of moves his hand and he oh, destroys gee. an entire tray and gashes himself open to perfectly crosshatch across his major artery in his wrist, his wrist. Yep. But, yep. but here's the thing no blood comes out. You see the sparkly gold. Stardust. Star- it really was. It was like stardust. And no blood. Oh, wow. That's weird. Well, yeah, it really is. Because I would say, what, maybe two scenes later, during a shootout, Roger's shot multiple times in the chest. Uh, and he bleeds like a stuck pig. Blood everywhere. And then, as a matter of fact, his buddy Bigelow says, uh, you might want to change your, your clothes because you, you, know, you look Good point. Kinda- he does, doesn't he? Which we then yeah. see Roger in a mirror, and guess what? He doesn't have <laughs> bullet holes anywhere in his chest. Yeah, I, I saw that, too. There's that moment when he's kind of looking in the mirror and realizes he's kind of looking uh, a little older, a little better. And then that whole, he opens the medicine cabinet, 
Because he's looking in the mirror. He's got his shirt off. He took a shower, cleaned up. No bullet holes in his chest. Where how that happened? And well, they and they were they had the shot a little higher up. Yeah, but you amazing. he would he would have been really, you, there would have been something there. It would have been something, yeah, because he was shot all over, not just like once in the stomach. So he opens a medicine cabinet, looks in the medicine cabinet, and then of course does what many movies do when you close the mirror on the medicine cabinet. There's something scary there. Ah, it was a what a skeleton from Haunted Mansion or something. No, it, I mean, it was it was like a rotting corpse. Yeah, but why? Because it was supposed to be him foreshadowed, f- foreshadowing what he's going to end up looking like. Uh, except we've established that he's just going to melt and turn into a Well, no, no, no. We hadn't established that yet. That happens later. No, but she told him that. The well, and to be fair, to be fair, did. she's been dead a lot longer than him. So maybe I'm going to totally, this is the... This is the C&D. This is how you know you have C&D, by the way, folks, because you one of the symptoms is the need to fill in major plot <laughs> gaps and plot holes that no. the, no, no, the, the writers you are, could drive a truck through yes, are yes. arguing for. Yes, yes. So what I'm going to say is she melted to the degree that she did because she'd been alive, well, dead alive. Ah, good movie. A lot longer than he had. And because of the medication, one of the side effects of that medication, you see, is it in, it, it creates a more liquefied aspect to the decomposition process. So when Roger would decompose, and as he did, because he had none of the medication, hence why he was gradually decomposing as opposed to the others, which did not do that, he would more than likely just decompose and rot out like a regular corpse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what would have been a really zombie good, style, really, really good idea hmm. to put any of that in the movie. Oh, piss shy. That's point. That's one of the, <laughs> the beauties of a movie like this. You get to use your imagination and fill in the blanks. They're not going to do all the work for you. Don't be a lazy audience member. <laughs> oh, and a couple of things. Like, what the hell is it? What the hell is it with? Uh, if you're dead for what was Joe Piscopo's character dead for? Oh, that's, I was about him. to bring that one up. Uh, two hours, I believe they said. So he, at one point, uh, they separate. He, at one point, is killed by the bad guys. Dude, can I he make is- a point? I remember as a kid, that part freaked me out because I remember it felt wrong. It just felt like, wait oh, a minute. Oh, he died? Yeah, because, well, because it's out of nowhere. They never yeah, show it. it. They never show any build up to it. It's just he goes, "Hey guys, I'll see, I'll, I'll see you back at the clubhouse." And right. then when they, and they go back and find up. him, yeah, yep. And then uh, uh, Mortis comes back, and literally he's there hanging, rope tied all around his body, upside down, with his head in a fish tank. Now let yeah. me let me add this. I think the other reason it felt weird. Typically, storytelling has you know. Pretty standard, especially a movie, you know, a story like this. There's certain beats. You just anticipate them. We've seen enough of these. We just expect them. And I think had any number of things happened. You had one of the bad guys calls Roger and makes some comment about, you know, you might want to check on your buddy Bigelow. You know, I believe he's gone fishing or something really lame. Okay, we oh, and then that that rush, that hurried. We've got to get back to 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 Doug's place. Well, you know, and they get back and oh my God, there he's dead. Okay, well we've we've at least been given that bit of a foreshadowing that something There's bad a happened. Yeah, a or threat. 
Or you see Bigelow come into his apartment after that hard day and he's and then the door shuts behind him and there's two of the zombies standing there. He turns, cut to, okay, we don't see him again. Oh, next time we see him. But there's none of that. It's literally no. like everything. Hey guys, we're back. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It and was. I remember being 12 and that really disturbing the hell out of me because it's pretty grisly. I mean, he's, it's, it's the other thing is typically like, Roger, when he dies, he dies in this, uh, I don't know, what would you call it? Some kind of hyperbolic <laughs> chamber. I, they uh, they suck all the air out of it. They suck air out, yeah. Yeah, like some vacuum chamber. So they, and it's supposedly how they humanely put down the test animals. <laughs> so I'm like, wouldn't just a shot of something be better <laughs> than, than that? That seems pretty cruel, especially based on Roger's reaction. So, but it's still, we know that that's the big conceit of the movie and the way it all happens. Oh, and, and Spike, by the way, why didn't Doug just shoot, uh, to quote Hans Gruber, shoot the glass? Yeah, I didn't get that either. I thought the same thing. Like, I would have shot at something. It, it maybe would have worked, but at least he would have tried. Yeah, so, no. So, so anyway, so when Doug dies, though, again, because it's completely out of left field, it's grislier. It's, it's. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's more disturbing. But I will say this. It didn't stand out to me. I mean, it stood out to me like something got lost that they edited yeah, they out. They may have cut out a scene. They had yeah, to. They it. might have cut something out that made it feel so abrupt. One thing I will say about the movie, I'm not taking it seriously at all. I mean, uh, this just felt odd. And I took it as it was intentional as part of the movie. Anyone that dies in this, <laughs> all the characters act like it doesn't really matter. And that's before anybody knows about the idea of resurrection. That's true. Because the whole opening scene That's is true. bank robbery, right? So right. let's set this scene for a minute. Two guys going to rob a bank. Big, bad guys with masks on. They come out. There's a, a hundred, I'm going to say a hundred cops outside. Dude, those were straight, and those were straight up road warrior masks, weren't they? Yes, they were these leather head. Yeah, it was really. Like, like half, like, like gimp mask missing the chin. Yes, it was. Um, and uh, so these guys come out. And, of course, all the cops start shooting him and nothing happens. It was a lot like the scene from the actual L.A. bank robbery. Yeah, that's where the what guys it got, reminded me of. Yeah, in the 90s. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, when the guys <laughs> got, you know, the bulletproof vests on. Everybody shoot, all the cops shooting at him. It's not doing anything, but he's shooting an Uzi. Well, anyway, they're all shooting him. Well, these bad guys are killing every single cop. Oh, and yeah. And they show... Like, all of them just dying. Like Yeah, cops dead everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Like, there's, like, just dozens and dozens of cops. And they show scenes of them being blasted and uh, falling over and blood splattering everywhere. And all of this. And when Treat Williams finally kills one of the bad guys with by, or the last bad guy by T-boning him with the car, they go up and they're like, hurt, hurt, hurt. Even you, before you that, when they're when, ugly. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, you have the right to remain disgusting. Right, and they're like making jokes, and then the even lieutenant before comes that, up, though, when they're like, by, when they're behind the car, dude, when they're behind yeah. the damn car, and people are dead all around them. I, I think when you Williams is getting ready to go get the lieutenant's car, oh, to, right, right. Yeah, Bigelow says something to the effect of, you know, maybe they're just uh, flesh wounds or some little crack. I'm thinking there's a bunch of your dead colleagues <laughs> everywhere. You want to react to that, maybe? So then. They they crash the bad guy. They're making the jokes. Lieutenant comes up and he's like, "You guys broke every rule in the book. You crashed my car. The, the captain's gonna hear about this. Oh, you think we're gonna get a talking to? You know?" And then of course, and by the way, that's the worst thing that came out of that day. 
It was not the it 30 was. dead cops. No, because immediately after, as a transitional element in the movie to sort of move the story forward, they have the newscaster who talks about the fact that there is a series of these uh, yes. robberies that have happened. Yes. It's all about there's a series of bank robbers that have stolen from multiple banks across the city. No mention of the fact that there was this bloodbath that apparently killed half the police department well, on one you, day. And do you know no who the comments? No, nothing. Just <laughs> do you know who that newscaster was? No, I didn't even pay attention. Martha Quinn. Medicine woman? No. Dear God. That's Dr. Quinn, man. I don't even know what the hell her first name was. No, Martha <laughs> Quinn, the MTV VJ. She was real thin. She oh was my in that, gosh, really? Yeah, she, she was in the classic full moon picture Bad Channels in 1992. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And Problem Child 2. I'm trying to do this off the top of my head because I looked through her thing. Whoa, that sounded wrong. I looked through her filmography specific, specific <laughs> a couple days ago. Yeah, Bad Channels. I remembered her. I, in. I remember her from MTV. Yeah, but and uh, then MTV. Yeah, she was one of the original VJs. Yep. Yeah, and she's the newscaster. Wow. No, I didn't even pay attention to it. Who mm-hmm. was? Uh, yeah, no, but you're right. There, yeah, so- there's definitely this very. Una- I, I find it interesting because this is one thing I did want to touch on. The guy, the director, right, Mark Goldblatt. Yeah. Obviously, an extremely extremely talented and well-known film editor. Mm-hmm. I mean, both yeah, very big the, titles the, the, to his name. The and two Terminator movies that past. matter. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we talked well, about the past how important a role the editor plays. Oh yeah. Big time. Uh, in, in a movie because they can, they, you could easily change a movie for the better or worse in, and completely different ways just by the way you edit it. But he also did Piranha, the original Piranha. The Howling, uh-huh. Halloween Time, mm-hmm. just going through his his IMDb at the moment. Mm-hmm. Rambo, First Blood Part Two, Commando, Jumping Jack. Right? Yep, uh, Nightbreed, which I know a lot of people have knocked it yeah. because it, it was it, major parts were cut out. That's not his fault. Hell, at least he made it watchable. Uh, Last Boy Scout, uh, Super Mario Brothers, we won't go there. True Lies, <laughs> Showgirls, we won't go there. Starship Troopers, Armageddon, we won't go there. Detroit Rock City, Hollow Man, <laughs> eh, we really won't go there. Or Pearl Harbor, okay, keep going. Bad Company. <laughs> So my point being, he's done a lot of great movies and he, he is a great editor, but proving the point doesn't always translate into great direction because it seems to me now I realize again, the tone of the movie was what it was, but that whole idea of the obliviousness of two cops to all the other cops dying, just that by itself is enough for you to go, I understand there's a lot of logistics involved and you, you know, you gotta, it's hard to remember everything, but mm. you, you think you would address it like, Hey guys, maybe a little more somber tone <laughs> <laughs> or Hey guys, maybe, I don't know, a reaction or two to all the dead cops or, you know, just something. So, mm. Hey guys, can you dial back the yuck, yuck, yuck? Which, uh, I mean, just, they, they have lines to deliver. I get that. But it's just also the way they deliver them. It's not like, <laughs> no. now if they had done it to where these guys are shooting up the cop cars and they missing, I mean, a couple cops get injured in the foot of the leg. Okay. And then these guys are still getting shot because they're out in the open. They don't care. They're going Scarface style. Yeah. Well, then that would have made more sense for them to be flippant. But because you had the whole devastation piece but speaking of the editing he does this trick at the end and i was curious to see if you caught it was it 
really obvious to you that at least for the first portion of the scene, when Vincent Price, Arthur P. Loudmilk, <laughs> comes into the scene to talk to all the other uh, rich old farts that are sitting around the resurrection machine, and he's and essentially trying to do a timeshare operation yeah, with he's, them. He's wearing his awesome all white pimp suit. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to get them all to invest half their fortunes to be, live yeah. forever. A million years, apparently. Did you notice he's never seen in a single shot with any of them? Did you, did you I, pick that up? I did. And I wondered if that was just me. No. Or if they filmed his scene all at once separate from any other filming. My guess, else. my guess is due to scheduling. I'm just throwing this out. There's a total guess on my part. But my guess is because of scheduling, they only had him for a certain period. It was his age. I mean, he was in his 80s at this yeah. point. And he ended up, after he did Edward Scissorhands was his last movie. And that was 90 or 91, right? So he passed He passed away shortly thereafter. So it was within five years of him passing away. He died in 93. Yeah. Okay. So right before Halloween. Years. I yep. remember that. So his scene may have necessitated them to shoot it when they could, and maybe they couldn't have gotten Derek McAvin or anybody yeah. else from the rest of that scene there in time. I don't know what the reasoning is, but. And you pretty much do anything to get Vincent Price in your movie, especially yeah, a low budget movie. Yeah. Of course. So yep. they do this whole piece where he comes out and he stands, where he's talking to him. And of course he does this great thespian job of delivering these lines as if they're there and they cut, they do insert shots of the people's reactions. I did find it odd. And this goes to that idea. Cause I think of an editor, like George Lucas, uh, all you know, naysaying aside, is a brilliant editor. In fact, that was always his strong suit. So he actually started with documentary film, which is an editor's medium primarily. Yeah, yeah. You have to be a yeah. great editor because that's how you tell your story. And right. he's even said that all of the films he's directed, all five or six of them, right. uh, and that he he visualizes them he visualizes how they're already pieced together so as he shoots he's shooting it not completely editing in uh, camera but cut. huh what was that yeah. you broke up a little he, bit he, sorry he 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 edits it in his head yeah pretty much so and that's what great editors are able to do and obviously you know it's training everything else so i as a result though you know for instance as an editor and that was always Next to coming up with the stories, editing was always my favorite part of the process because you've got all those pieces in front of you, right? And you have, and you know what the story is supposed to be, and you have to figure out what are the best takes, and you can figure out, okay, well, we've got this angle on this actor here, and if we cut it like three seconds earlier than we originally were supposed to, we get this look which conveys something totally different than we originally intended, but it's better. So it's, it's <laughs> literally just like sculpting. It's like you're sculpting the film. So. I guess where I'm going with this is from Mr. Goldblatt's perspective, little things like you could have had an actor dressed in the costume of any of those like stand-ins. And if you did a, a sort of a, where people were you know, blurred in the foreground, like the shallow depth of field, and you could see, uh, you know, Vincent in the background. So you just establish it. It's what it is. It's a very subconscious thing, but it establishes in our head that they're there with him because so much time transpires before we see another human being in the shot with him. It feel, it felt disconnected. Did that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes sense. And it, 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 it could have been, I don't know. I think sometimes when they do that, it's obvious, but if they did it well, 
Uh, oh, it with, happens with all the shot. time. It, I agree yeah. with you. It happens all the time. They just, I guess what it boils down to is, I guess that wasn't done well. Because I, I just thought to myself, why would you have had an actor dressed as Darren McGavin and just did an over-the-shoulder shot? Right. And, and then yeah, cut yeah. to an insert of his reaction, and then you've got it. You've established the visually. They're connected. I just think as an editor, he would have thought of that. He knows what cover. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like yeah, I didn't have did. the proper coverage. But but he didn't edit this movie. He didn't. No. Well, but he did shoot it. So it's about yeah, things, and a director. A direct. One of the biggest bitches editors always have is that directors never get either enough coverage or the right coverage, and then they're expected to assemble together a story from nothing. Right. You know. Yeah. Well, as an editor, he should have. I don't. And I don't know how much interaction he had with it, but maybe he should have, you know, given more clear direction on what he was expecting. Yeah, or, I, I mean, obviously, we're totally playing Monday morning quarterback here, and now yeah, we are, I, we are. I, I, I love that guy's work, so I don't want to seem like I'm dissing him because I'm not. I just, I actually would love to know. I'd love to know what yeah. happened because I would, I, I believe I'm giving him essentially the benefit of the doubt and saying he would know all that. So, and yeah. you never know; it could have been. That it totally got, you know, after he was done filming, it got taken away and, you know, there were other things happened to it and we got cut and there was other people involved in the editing. And yeah, well, you know, and, we and, and I will add this, dude, I'll add this. Uh, the guy who edited Harvey Rosenstock, no slouch. He did Son of a Woman, Tombstone, Kiss the Girls, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's not, a, he, we're not talking about somebody who has got dead heat to their credit and that's it. Right, right. So anyway, just just an observation that not that important in the grand scheme of things. I just wanted to uh, to yeah, bring that up. What's that? So, but they still. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, uh, and just these last two things. One, speaking of Piscopo head down in the fish tank. Interesting that when he, they unveiled him on the resurrection machine, all the the two hours of being underwater in a fish tank and the bloating and nastiness that we got a hint of when they zipped up his body bag completely gone he's like he's well beautiful makeup quaffed perfect yes of course and then uh my which i never i guess i never finished my point with that was um he was dead for two hours and that was enough to turn him into kind of a real zombie where he just didn't think for himself i think i get i think the joke uh, fell a little flat i think the joke fell flat i think it was making the point that he was already half brain dead anyway no, no, but they, but they said he's been dead so long, and that's when the bad guy, Darren Gavin's character, says, "Kill him," and he just turns around and starts to kill him. And of course, he comes out of it. But um, the peep, the two guys in the beginning, the criminals, yes, that's when the medical examiner says, "Yeah, I've autopsied them before." Yeah, they had to be dead for assume, hours. Yeah, I would assume at least a day. Well, they were so. <laughs> well, I guess the implication there was. He had sent them on this killing, you know, this robbery spree. So he was controlling them as well. But they seemed awfully cogent. They talked a lot. Yeah. yeah. They, they talked a lot and acted like normal people. They're like, come on, no, just steal that. No, no. Yeah. They weren't like a zombie zombie. Like, yeah, they were thinking no. this. They, they had they had a thought process yeah. going. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the other thing There's I want. that whole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I also wanted to say that ambulance had a hell of an alignment. That's all I wanted to say about that. And <laughs> yeah, at the very end, he gets uh, uh, shackled into uh, an ambulance and that's where they're going to leave him to melt finally because yeah. he's only got 40, you know, two minutes or whatever. I don't remember what it was. And it's like 45 you know, minutes, 42 minutes. His, his way to escape was basically to reach up, bump the ambulance into neutral and roll down. Wait, suddenly they were in the hills of San Francisco. 
Is that what? Yes. And they just like rolled down these giant hills like you see the trolleys going up and down in San Francisco. Which and, uh, which they were originally in L.A., isn't that, wasn't that where it was supposed to yes. be? Yes. Which yeah, LA is known for its very hilly. <laughs> <laughs> downtown. Down all these long hills and, you know, of course, near misses. Ah! Oh, and uh, then it, it blows up and on fire. But can I say how I want the action figure of him? Yeah. <laughs> where his hat, he looked a little like, why am I? Alex Winter. Alex Winter's in freaked i've told you alex winter was uh, bill oh. and ted's adventure and yeah. he did a movie called freaked where he becomes this mutant thing well half his face is more greenish but it had that same vibe where half of it was human looking and the other half was uh, half was gnarly yeah, yeah. Or, or or even and actually it's you know what just occurred to me oh my god i'll have to make that never mind i know what i might i just changed my movie pick midstream because of based on oh, that you can't do that yes i can i did uh. it's it's it is done and so it shall be uh but his whole look, I want to go, is that on Halloween? That <laughs> okay. 80s, it's like this 80s. Yeah, his hair's all yuppie like. Yuppie rocker I with a spike. And, and I know it's supposed to be pieces of body bag or something stuck to his ear, but it looked like, it looks like these. Yeah, well, it, lo- well, it looks uh, like earrings hanging down. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. 80s style, ear, big ear feather <laughs> earrings hanging down. And he's got this machine gun and bullets. I Didn't he have him kind of like a bandolero across his chest a bit i know it was it kind of went over rambo style a little bit across his chest and and just it's badass i love that whole that whole sequence but the other (laughs) thing is we have to at least mention it we'd be remiss if we didn't (laughs) 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 anyway the the chinese restaurant that whole sequence was awesome where the food came oh, alive? God, yes, I forgot all about that. Yeah, I can't believe we didn't mention that earlier because that, to me, along with her melting down, was fantastic. And I will argue, totally inspired. I know John dies at the end of the book, but there's a meat monster in it. Yeah, the meat comes alive. Well, that this movie did it first, as well as this movie. Did you catch the line? I tried to find it everywhere, and I couldn't. Damn it! I was so going to open with it. Hi, Doug. Welcome to Zombie Land. It's like son of a bitch. That's where they got the title. Really? I I have no idea whether they got the title, but he says that. No, but I mean, I didn't. I don't remember that line. Yeah, when, I Doug, when, when Doug snaps out of it and goes to help him up off the, he goes, "Hi, Doug. Welcome to Zombie Land." Ah, gotcha. Wow. Yeah, because that whole sequence was Key Luke, who's we, we was the guy from Gremlins we talked mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. He, which they never really explain how he's involved. <laughs> I'm in not this. sure either. Yeah, they never really say, but they go to him first as a connection. Somehow he's in this bad guy chain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <clears throat> when they first go in, it's some kind of meat market. And uh, the big giant guy. Yeah, he looked familiar, that, too. Um, he was in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. He was the butler guy trying to break down the door. When oh, Pee-wee was yeah. Crowning uh, Francis Buxton. And he's like, oh, and he says, Francis, don't want to see you right now. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure he was in other movies better than that, but that's what I remember him from. <laughs> so. Anyway, he's there butchering meat, like he's chopping up a chicken and or, or cutting up a, a duck or something, and all these uh, ducks are uh, hanging, stripped, you know, on the on the hooks, and there's pigs, a, pigs, and uh, all this chi- things. Well, of course, as uh, Key Luke's character goes to Mister Tool, 
goes to escape away from them. Like he flicks the switch and the chandelier. Well, obviously he was the guy who helped create and and they never, they never tied it in and it would have made more sense if it was tied into some kind of like big trouble, little China, some kind of mystical thing that he mystical and science. And, you know, he was obviously the guy that helped come up with the machine that brought people back to life, but he flips the switch. The same lightning comes out of the chandelier that came out of the uh, machine that revived people and all the meat comes alive including the pig i hate it i hate it when my meat comes alive (laughs) it's it's so infrequent it's just annoying (laughs) i know my favorite part of this whole movie it was awesome when the the bull comes alive that was fantastic so of course all these little things are starting to move the ducks are biting at the girl the pig is the biggest thing that jumps out and the the, the liver blob (laughs) and the liver blob (laughs) how that like moves and grabs his face. It I does don't know. it really, really, really yeah. even <laughs> ask at that point? I guess. And so then all of a sudden they 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 kind of stop all that and the cooler door, you just hear boom, boom. And it's a whole butchered cow. It's no head, no guts. It's what you see hanging in Rocky, just comes out. And that was kind of scary as hell, I'd have to say. Mm-hmm. And it comes out and it's going to kick their ass and it's going to kill them. And that was actually pretty scary. But then again, it goes back to you shot it a bunch of times and it fell over. Why? Yeah. yeah why? <laughs> First off, but no organs, none, uh, <laughs> no head, nothing. And why would anyway, but that was scary as hell. And that thing was just freaky. So um, I, that the practical effects in that whole sequence were incredible. It was really, really, really cool. Mm-hmm. I agree. Anyway. And, and I'm really glad we, we remembered to at least mention it or I would have felt like that would be one of those, damn it, how do we forget? Yeah, because that was a fantastic sequence, yeah. And great. I think, let me see, was there, uh, oh, the, the biker zombie with his two or three faces, whatever it was, yeah, that was pretty cool. That. Yeah, yeah. there was, I mean, there was very cool creature effects and yep. uh, it was, yeah, all around, I say, check it out, it's Netflix streaming right now. Uh, YouTube, unfortunately, I did not, I, I may or may not have looked, Uh it looks like it was blocked. I mean, look, I know it's on Netflix streaming right now. I think they had it where they did the whole part one of eight, part two of eight. Uh, but but on top of that, it was it was blocked in the U.S. Let's just put it that way. Yep. So there's that. So Jay, would you? I don't know. Like to do our flicks picks. How's that for an oldie but a goodie, huh? Oldie but a goodie. Uh, and I'm gonna go first. Ha <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> and I'm proud of mine tonight. And you can kiss my ass. Well, and my guess is my, it, my guess is it's not the one I switched to at the eleventh hour. I'm hoping not, because that would just suck. Well, for me, because I'm coming after you. Ooh, yeah. wait. This guy. <laughs> Go ahead. So I am taking the route that I always do on my fallback. I'm going with the music. <laughs> no <Ready>? kidding. <laughs> you ready? Fine. Yeah, what? Hit me. Go. Ernest Troost. Okay. Did the music for... Related to Ernest P. Worrell. No. Did the music for Dead Heat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, now I don't have it queued up. No, run. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, did the music for Dead Heat. Also did the music for another 80s movie that came out just a year before. Okay, 87. Uh, 1987. Directed by... Tell me. Tina Hirsch, who is mostly known... For her editing. Oh, yeah, Hirsch. Yeah, I know that name. Yep, and she only had one directorial title. Munchies. <laughs> okay, wait for this. I have that somewhere on DVD. 
that I, I, I had copied it on a DVR was on some channel like flicks or one of those. Yeah. Yeah. And I recorded it because I couldn't find it anywhere. I remember loving that movie as a kid. We have to do that movie at some point. She did. She listen. She edited gremlins twilight zone, the movie West wing, um, explorers. I'm captain Ron. Hello. <laughs> Death you, Race you, you 3000. Had, you had me up to Captain Ron. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, anyway, she she's done a lot of editing. Well, the only movie that she has directed, um, similar to uh, Mark Goldblatt, who's done more than just Dead Heat, but uh, like, he, he did the Dolph Lund- He did the Dolph Lundgren Punisher version. Yes, but he has. He's mainly, like you said, mainly known for editing. And so I thought, holy crap, what a great connection! Because it's uh, another movie that was done by a director who mm-hmm. uh, primarily is editing. Anyway, Munchies, nineteen eighty-seven horror comedy uh, starring Harvey Korman. Um, it's it's just this you know kind of funny, ridiculous uh, ripoff of Gremlins. Um, I believe uh, Roger Corman produced that. So you have another connection because yes. obviously, in That's some Roger way, shape. Corman- he, yeah. he he did, and and I and I believe too, his company was involved with Dead Heat because it was New World Pictures, wasn't that a Corman? Isn't that Corman? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Okay, I I thought it so at some point now maybe at this time it wasn't, but I'm pretty sure uh, AIP going way back is Corman, but I'm pretty sure pretty sure New World Pictures was a Corman. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, the uh, um, you ready? You ready? Yeah. Munchies also has. Robert Picardo. Yeah, that's right. I remember him in it. Yep. And Paul Paul Bartel. So yep. it's it's <laughs> it, it is a it is something to behold. Yeah, it's it's all kinds of crazy. It's a Gremlins anyway, critters knockoff. Uh, yes, the, it's like Gremlins if they were more adult and sex crazed. So, but yet it was only PG. Yeah, it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, my pick is Munchies, nineteen eighty seven. I applaud your pick. That's the first time in like a freaking year. <laughs> no, no. Well, yeah, actually, yeah, probably this year <laughs> since we started. No, what did you do last time? You what did you do last week? You had a good one last week. Really, really. Yeah, you did, didn't you? What was last week? Really, musicals. That was it. Last week. I mean, last time. Oh no! Last time was DC Cab. What did I pick for DC Cab? Oh, incredibly, sh- incredible shrinking woman. Oh, incredible shrinking woman. Yeah, yeah. You didn't make fun of that one. No, okay. Good. So two in a row. Two in a row. I was just busting your balls about the freaking <laughs> God Almighty. Chorus line. It's a wonderful movie. Don't knock it. Right. <sighs> <laughs> I'm gonna shut up now. Okay, so here's my your pick. Turn. My my <laughs> turn. <laughs> Originally, I was gonna pick Dream Master, Nightmare on Elm Street Four. Oh yeah, that's a good one. By the way, my favorite scene is the whole wizard guy going up to that him. That was and, part. Th- ah! That was part. That was part three, Jason. Is that Dream Warriors? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not picking four anyway, so never mind. Uh, so what did you change to? I changed it because I, and this is why. This is how my brain works. Ready to be terrified? <laughs> do you do you have Imdb accessible at the moment? Uh, I can get it. Yep. Okay. Type in brain scan. Oh, we've we talked about that before. I believe so. I don't even, it may have been a pick, but there's a specific reason why I chose it for tonight to connect yeah. it. Steve Johnson, who did the effects for Dead Heat, as well as a myriad of other films, mm-hmm. did the effects for Brain Scan. Look at the poster. 
and burn half of the trickster, the right half of the trickster's face. Are you there yet? Yeah. You don't see the similarity? You mean with Mortis's character when he's kind of yes. burned? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just think, I think it's the style is a similar, I mean, that yeah, poster, the sunken eyes, the, the yeah, just the that look that it's sort of a, in yeah. the forehead. Yeah. It just, it just struck me that you could see the stylistic similarity between the two. Cause when I was watching dead heat, I was thinking, yeah, God, why does it look familiar? And that would be why. Cause it's got a little vibe. But anyway, so brain scan 1994, I was in high school when this came out and I remember going to see it opening weekend along the same route that I did with Dr. Eagles and Leprechaun and can't mm-hmm. understand why I didn't get a girlfriend. And anyway, uh, <laughs> actually, no, to be fair, actually, I think my now wife was with me when this came out. So yeah, that doesn't uh, really, really it was Edward what, Furlong, right? What, what was wrong with her? Um, no, sorry. That's a whole, that's a whole other discussion. Uh, yes. Edward Furlong <laughs> is in this as is Frank Langella who is a fantastic yep. actor. T. Ryder Smith plays the trickster. And I want to say, was there anybody else that was super famous or anything? Not really. But interesting side note, it was written or co-written by Andrew Kevin Walker, who the next year would go on to have another screenplay of his produced, a little movie you may have heard of called Seven. Mm. I will give you a hint. Brain scan is no seven. <laughs> <laughs> as i recall much like leprechaun or dr giggles this was that early to mid 90s effort late 80s early mid 90s effort by so many producers to make horror film franchises out the gate yeah. so there's these these to start a horror film franchise yeah so in to other words, start let, a horror film franchise exactly because rather than letting it happen organically rather than oh we made a great movie it's become either a cult hit or a big mainstream hit no, we're going to force it. We're going to make a character with the intention that this is going to become a franchise. The kids will love this character. Why? Because we've studied all the demographics. We've read all the surveys and analysis. We know what the kiddos today like. We're going to create these characters and make a gajillion movies based on these characters. Leprechaun, yes. Dr. Giggles and the Trickster, not so much. So, brain scan... What'd you say? Lone Ranger. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's a there's a more, way more mainstream, less horror-driven one. But the just quick synopsis of Brain Scan, a teenager is part of an interactive video game where he kills innocent victims. Later, the murders become real. So it, I do recall it having this strong psychological vein where he goes a bit unconscious and the murders are happening and it's sort of a Wolfman vibe where he doesn't remember what happened and is he really responsible the trickster is very 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 reminiscent of freddy this this movie in a way is nightmare on Elm street 2 because in that movie freddy tries to take over the kid to continue his murders and the kid doesn't know is he the one doing it is it freddy it's, it's very similar this is a theme that plays out a lot of horror movies so uh, but Brain Scan from 1994, I mainly picked it because of the Steve Johnson special effects connection and the fact that the trickster had a certain Roger Mortis post uh, burn victim zombie vibe. So that's it. That's my pick. And I'm sticking to it. <laughs> so, Jay, somehow, some way we made actually, well, well, not as horrible as last time. Last time I. <laughs> I had to do some cutting just to get that sucker to fit. Uh, we're not doing too bad this time. We were at 121. So any, any, 
Any final words? I would tell, I, I did notice that in iTunes, uh, we have, I believe, almost 100 episodes. We're at 95, and they're all available in iTunes, you say? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, <clears throat> yes. They're, they're now all available. So, if you've never heard, I'm going to say seen them. If you've never, never if you've never heard our earlier stuff and just want to laugh, laugh, laugh at us, they're there. And of course, we had touched on a crap that would you want to even start? Let's see, Clo- Cloak and Dagger, uh, Army of Darkness, Mind Warp. I'm just trying to jump right up ahead. Night of the Comet, Eight Star Six, yeah, Leviathan, um, Bubba Hotep. Which wait really, a second now, yeah. Masters of the Universe, Garbage Pail oh, Kids, one of the double feature. Yeah, the double feature. Yeah, okay, that was a yeah. classic. And uh, our very first year of Spooky Flicks Fest, where we covered Night of the Living Dead, the original and the '80s remake, and and our second year of the October Spooky Flicks Fest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we had people under the stairs. One of my personal favorites, and uh, several other ones, including Halloween. So, which I get it; it's not forgotten. Screw you. So <laughs> <laughs> the original. Yeah, but I would argue that even though it's been remade. I, I think more people have forgotten zombies version than would forget the Carpenter one, but I digress. Yeah. So anyway. lots and lots of stuff for you to listen to hundreds, uh, well over a hundred hours because it's bonus episodes. So check it out. You know, if you like it, please leave us a review. We appreciate it. It's good. Get us back on the map, so to speak. And uh, Jay, any other final uh, contacty type info or anything you want to say? Uh, no. Yeah. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, and, uh, on Facebook, you can join our group. We put lots of cool posts of other stuff coming up. We also announced the movie. So if you want to uh, get ahead of the game, you can check it out there. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty much it. Oh, oh forgotten with an X. Dot com. Well, you inspired me. You didn't even know it because I had this set up from days ago, but you inspired me, Jason, with your pick because you chose the music. And I think on that note, We'll just have to go out with a little dead heat.